This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Opening up about mental health is a hugely daunting prospect for anyone that has gone through it or is still going through it. It can be embarrassing, it leaves you exposed, and you are suddenly completely open to the world. Vicky Hornsby is someone who knows exactly what that is like. From an early age she had always felt anxious, though she never realised it was actually anxiety at the time. However, As soon as she gave birth to her first daughter, postnatal depression hit and her mind spiralled out of control on a totally new level. Mending your mind is no easy task. In fact, it's virtually impossible. And Vicky spent years coping with severe depression and anxiety. However, she eventually found a way to come out of it. It's not a cure, but it has given her the tools to manage her brain better than ever. She found mindfulness. After climbing out of the black hole her mind had fallen into, she was eventually persuaded to start coaching people as well, and she hasn't looked back since. Through a combination of writing and one-to-one tuition, Vicky is now helping people all over cope with their mental health problems while staying vocal on the stigmas that still surround it. Within the space of a few years, she has turned everything around and she's also now the proud owner of her own website and brand, Bliss Mindfulness. Brought to you by Essex Live, this is Humans of Chelmsford, and this is Vicky Hornsby's story. Thank you, Vicky, for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast and talking about your story and how Bliss Mindfulness came about. So let's kind of start off at the beginning, and I know you've been very open about your past experiences with mental health, depression, anxiety. You only had to look at the blog posts on your website to see that. Was there a trigger that kick-started all of that mental health uh, battles for you? Thank you, Alistair, for having me. Um, it kick-started when I was around seven, um, And it all started with travelling in the car and I would feel almost claustrophobic. I just remember being stuck and not being able to get out of the car. Um, And that then transpired into school where I would try and hide if there was an assembly because I knew I would be stuck in a hall and would not be able to leave. So I used to hide in the toilet and pray that no teacher or head teacher would come and find me. And 
it carried on and carried on. So any sort of form of travel, whether it be a train, car, bus, coaches in particular, would send me into a frenzy of anxiety. As I got older, I kind of had a bit more of a grip on it. And then I had my daughter and that change completely threw me. Um, and I suffered quite heavily with postnatal depression. And I found it really difficult being a mum. And I'm quite open in that respect, as much as I love my daughter hugely. I really struggled with the aspect of expectation, what I was doing. I felt completely lost. And I just took a real downturn in mood and nothing could lift me. And I just didn't see a way out. It felt like a black hole or something dragging me down. You mentioned sort of having it all the way back, even before your postnatal depression. Mm -hmm. Was that probably one of the more surprising or shocking things for you that you realised that you kind of had it for most of your life? Yeah, I didn't actually think it was anxiety. So when I started thinking about my thoughts and the processes of anxiety and depression... I then linked back to all those times of not wanting to get in the car when we were going for a car ride or not wanting to sit in assembly. That was actually anxiety because the feelings that I was feeling, the palpitations, feeling hot, I need to run, I don't want to be here, was all linked to anxiety. And what I was feeling at the present moment, that's actually how I've been feeling since the age of seven and nothing had changed from your perspective, how does it actually feel to go through depression? And how do you wake up every morning and just go through each day? It's hard, extremely hard. The only way I can describe it is I felt like I dropped into a black hole and it could creep up on you really without you even being fully aware. I remember waking up thinking, what's the point? And slowly dragging myself out of bed, I'd have a shower and then I thought, what can I do to stop this? So I would be frantically cleaning. I'm not the greatest of cleaners and my house is never immaculate, but I felt like I had to clean so that I didn't have to stop and think about why I felt really down. And I would hoover, I would clean. I didn't stop. So even when she was a baby at the time having a sleep or a nap, when I should be resting and napping, I was actually frantically running around the house, trying to get things done, making sure the house was perfect. And I built this expectation of how everything should be so that I didn't have to feel. And it, it was a real, I felt weighted down and grey. Um, I was asked about colours and things of how I felt. And at the time it was grey or dark grey. That's how I felt. And no day, every time I woke up, it ever changed. It was still grey. Did your family and your husband notice any difference in you? Um, I think, well, my husband definitely did. I knew something was wrong. He was so good with my daughter. He'd take her out so that I could have a nap and tell me that I didn't need to worry about the house. Most houses are never immaculate when you've got a baby. Um, and tried everything he could to make me feel better. But it's an inside job. No matter what someone else is trying to do for you, if you don't feel great, it's not going to change how you feel. My family probably noticed. I saw my mum quite a lot. Um, but it's something, again, I didn't really want to talk about. So with all mental health, 
we don't really understand what was going on, so we don't really want to talk about it. But actually, we should be doing the exact opposite. We should be talking about it. How long was it that you were sort of feeling that way before you started to take back control of your mind, as it were? I would probably say I fell pregnant very quickly after that and I went and saw the midwife and I said to her how I'd been feeling. So they then upped the level of care so that I could talk to someone as an outsider, someone who didn't know me and I could actually say everything that I was feeling and thinking at that time. Um, And I think that for me was the starting point. Um, And then after I had my second daughter, things took another turn and I started to feel really down again. And it was at that moment I thought something's got to to change. So you've already mentioned the stigma. Yeah. Let's kind of delve into that a little bit more. Do you sense things are starting to improve with that or is there still very much a societal disregard for how severe mental health is? I think we're starting... I think now with all the charities and Prince William and Princess Kate, she, with their attachment to the charities, Heads Up, has given it a massive scope across all press. And we're being a bit more open. I think we're just on the scale of that at the moment. So I think there's a lot more work to do. And I think internally, where we've been holding on to things for so long, it still doesn't feel comfortable sharing and opening yourself up to things that have been pretty bad or how bad sometimes people feel, they don't want to open that up to everybody. And I know when I've done my posts or blogs on my Facebook page, I felt exposed. I felt completely open, thought, what the hell have I done? But I've had so much positive response from it. And that made me realise that the more that you talk about it, the better you do feel. And I'm hoping that bringing some attention to mental health anywhere across the UK, we can say it's okay to talk. We need to. And that brings me perfectly onto my next question with your, you writing about it. What was the most important thing for you on the road to recovery? Was it writing about it, getting out there in the open? Or was it you know, a multitude of things? I would probably say a multitude of things. I had to get it out and I had to tell people where I'd started because you always need to start somewhere and it's usually from the depths of the deep depression that something good can come out of it. And my mindfulness practice is the thing that got me out. And if I can share that with someone else and say, actually, I've been where you are and I know how bad it feels but there are ways that you can get through that, not just with medication, but you, if that's what you choose to do, go for it. I'm not judging anyone here, but there is another way. And I think talking about it, expressing it, no matter what you do, I found a journal really useful. Um, so I would write how I would feel or visualize it. So sometimes I'd draw how I feel. And it might be a big black cloud or it might be a rainbow the next day. Whatever I was doing, I would write it or draw it just as a way to express how I was feeling at that time. And we'll go to bliss mindfulness in a moment. But do you think there was sufficient help for you? Or did you sort of have to work out these remedies yourself? Was there anyone pointing you in the right direction? I felt quite um, ashamed going to the doctor 
to be honest. And I really didn't want to take antidepressants. I'd taken a lot of medication for my migraines, um, which is based on the same similar format of antidepressants. So I really didn't want to go back down that route and I wanted something that was different. So I found a book in the library about not worrying and using mindfulness practices and I just started reading so that I could open myself up to a new way of trying to treat myself. And I do believe mindfulness is for everybody, young, old, any age, you can pick this up. It's a simple but easy, uh, not very easy practice. Um, But it was something that I knew that I had to do for myself. No one else could do that for me, unfortunately. And I suppose you were kind of lucky in that you did come across that book. Yeah. In the library. What were the main points that you took out of reading it? The worries and stresses are just a thought process. It's not me. And they come and they go. But what I was tending to do was every thought I had, I took it, visualised it and took it on board. So it might be, well, I've not eaten very well today. I must be feeling really rubbish. Oh, I am feeling rubbish. And then it would spiral on and spiral on. So I was literally taking hold of every thought that was coming through. And actually, our mind has that process of thinking all the time, but it's like a radio station. You can tune in as much as you want to. You can let that noise just carry on. And I I just was taking on board everything that that noise was saying to me rather than just letting it go out. It was learning to switch off every so often, yes. which was the, the main key. Yeah. So on to Bliss Mindfulness, yep. your, your brand new website and yes. your brand. What is Bliss Mindfulness? Bliss Mindfulness is hopefully building a community of like-minded people that it's okay to share and to share the knowledge of mindfulness, being in the present moment with no judgment and not wanting to be anywhere else and accepting the moment for as it is because we often don't we're often living in past events wishing that something had changed or hoping it would have been different or planning a future that hasn't even existed and with mindfulness through my classes with relaxation and mindfulness classes we get to realize that all the stress that builds up in our bodies and in our minds can be released and we aren't designed to be on the go 24-7 and I feel that the life that we're living today is pushing us to our physical and mental boundaries and a lot of us are suffering as a consequence and I just hope that the posts that I put out and the information that I can give to people with all the research that I've done can help people live a more calmer peaceful life. Was that one of the big things for you as well was being introduced to that coaching aspect and it kind of gives you a new focus really and that you can go out there and share your story and help people that are in the same position that you were in yeah definitely I really enjoy that one-to-one coaching of someone who literally could be at their wits end with the thoughts that are going through their head and with just a few really simple practices you can start to feel so much better And that one-to-one interaction and starting to see people change is so rewarding and it's such a privilege for me to be invited into someone's life and their journey to make them feel better. I I feel so grateful to be part of that and to help them. 
you say you're growing a community has has the response been kind of overwhelming for you it's yeah amazing Mm. i can't believe how many people have liked posts the post that i put out last year in march about my own personal journey i had comments that i i didn't even think i didn't think anyone would actually read it i posted it out there thinking i might get a few comments and i ended up with nearly 100 comments on the post and overwhelming support and that's what I want to make sure that that community is building that support for people to be able to share what they need to share to release anything that they've been holding on to and help them to feel happier was that easy at first to kind of put all your thoughts out there in that community is that something you've really had to adapt to and learn over time uh it's not been easy at all I really find it difficult sharing a lot of that information and for me it always comes back down to I feel quite ashamed that I felt like that um and the more that I open up the more response I'm getting with uh, support with help with guidance and anything that I can help others with I feel so much better for sharing because I know that that could have resonated with someone else and they could say do you know what I felt exactly the same and this is maybe what the course of action I need to take and speaking of sharing there's the blog section on your new website which started earlier in January which I think has got some really interesting posts in it and I just wanted to delve into a couple of them Mm -hmm. and the first one is the use of social media which you've written about on there and we all use it some people are borderline addicted to it from your perspective is it is there a correlation between the increased use of social media and the rise in depression and anxiety and what's the key to stopping that rise i think there is a correlation between the two when you see the stats on social media and um use of different platforms across social media And then the rise of stress, depression and anxiety, I think they go hand in hand. I think this constant need to review social media is a a way to distract ourselves. And I don't think we've ever been so stimulated um, in all of our way of being. Um, And to be constantly stimulated, we don't ever have any downtime. And with mindfulness being able to take a step back and realise actually I've wasted an hour of my time flicking through different posts, pictures and what could I've done in that time that would have filled me up, which would have made me feel better and it's one of those things that we just need to constantly keep being aware of and focus and I don't believe social media is a bad thing at all. I think it has its usage but the fact that we're using it on a consistent level all the time, every day, I think we need to just take a step back and realise what that is actually doing to us. And it feeds into some of the real negative feelings and thoughts that we have. And we might be having a bad day and all of a sudden we see everyone's wonderful posts and pictures that they're having in such an amazing life and we're feeling rubbish. So it makes us feel rubbish because actually we're comparing ourselves to all these people having a great time and we only put things that we have filtered about a hundred times to make it look really really good how much of the truth is actually on social media probably very little was that a trap you 
sort of found yourself falling into when you were going through your mental health battles and was, was switching off and, and spending time with your kids and things like that something you really had to try and do yeah I really um could easily sit for hours on end and when you've got a little one who doesn't stop crying and you want a bit of relief and it's instant it's there right in front of you you click a button and you can see everybody else's life what they're doing what's happening in the world and you can easily or I did spend hours running through it and seeing what I've got going on um with everybody else and it's about being nosy people are so interested in what other people are doing because it distracts you from your own life and what you want to do and what you don't want to do with my daughters I'm very aware of how much time that they spend on their iPads and iPods I know that they're not on social media per se but there's still YouTube and other uh, platforms that they're using and that they are constantly stimulated by and I know how important it is to switch off and I am trying it's not easy to try and switch myself off but also the kids and going back to family time having a moment I put a post out about my daughter telling me before she went to bed that I'm always working always on the computer and I never spend any time with her and that was my wake-up call and I put the computer down and it was about me making that choice do I continue on the computer and carry on working or do I put the computer down because it would have been 20 minutes to spend some time with her before she went to bed and I did put the computer down we did some coloring we didn't even talk very much but we sat and we colored and I could feel her breathing and she enjoyed that space with just me and her and that totally sold it for me that I need to make sure that I do more of that it shows how important connecting is with with real people and family members and i suppose that's kind of a reflection on society now and that there's this constant demand for information now quickly Mm -hmm. and you you kind of want to flip from one thing to another and i suppose that's kind of the overriding message about mindfulness is it just teaches you to slow down and take into account of what's around you Mm. and actually just assess things for what they are rather than jumping from one thing to another yeah what I find really upsetting is when you go out for a meal and everyone is on their phone which you see way too often way too often and even in a coffee shop I went to a coffee shop the other day and I can guarantee you there was 90% of people on their phone at that coffee shop rather than actually sitting and enjoying their nice coffee latte americano they were all on their phone and before you know it they've drunk that coffee and not been even aware of it and that just makes me so sad that they've spent all that money on a nice treat for themselves to actually not even realize that they've done that because they've been flicking through and distracted through their phone or been on their computer so that really gets to me and the fact that they all sit there and don't speak to each other We've got to connect and I think sometimes this is where anxiety and depression can really seep in is that we don't feel connected. We don't feel like anyone knows us and we feel quite lonely. And if we are feeling that way, the only way to counteract loneliness is to connect. And loneliness is becoming one of the biggest aspects across the UK as well, as well as mental health. So we need to counteract that. And the only way to do that is to put our phones down and to talk to each other.
exactly so fundamentally we're social creatures we humans, are so that needs to be tapped into every so often most definitely and again with the anxiety and depression this is the last point i want to raise uh, that you posted about in the blog again and of course there's no definitive cure to depression and anxiety and occasionally it still creeps in how often does it still creep in for you and do you now have the tools to battle that and bat it aside when it does come it still comes and it used to be months it's now maybe a week and I don't beat myself up because that's a constant pattern of mine is that it will come and I'd be so cross that it'd come back why did it come back I've worked so hard on myself it shouldn't be here but it is it's just a natural trait and no matter what I do I recognize it I see it for what it is and don't try to push it away what's it trying to tell me and then I work on making myself feel good and that's simple things and it's enjoying sitting down and reading it's going out for a walk in nature breathing in that fresh air it's listening to my favorite song in the kitchen while I'm cooking and dancing and not really caring it's those kind of things that make me feel better anxiety still gets me all the time and it could be a simple train journey to London and I can feel the panic start to rise my palms start to sweat and as soon as I get in that carriage I have to use the tools that I've worked so much on they really come into effect and I don't think there will be a cure but when I've got a better control of it I feel happier about the process and I know that when it comes I can deal with it and then it will go it doesn't last um, and there will be brighter days and I suppose the message there as well is it's totally normal to think that way so whenever it strikes there's, there's nothing abnormal about it. You're not some freak of nature. No. It's, it's totally realistic. Yes. And it should be understandable. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, and with that, that's a perfect way to end. And thank you so much, Vicky, for coming on to our podcast. Thank you, Alistair. And Yeah, and telling us your story because, like we said plenty of times, it was mentioned a lot in the last episode, there's not enough understanding of mental health and what it's actually like to go through. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. And there is so much support out there. So please don't think that you're on your own. Um, even I know the GPs are and doctors are overrun, but there are other avenues. So please seek out help if you need it. Um, I wouldn't want to think anybody sat at home on their own um, and think that they're totally alone because you're not. So just seek out some help because there are some great charities. You can message me um, directly whatever you need we can sort it out follow essex live on facebook twitter and on instagram or go to our website essexlive.news Ben jij prijsbewust? Nu extra MB's bij Mijnsim Only. Voor 12,50 per maand, onbeperkte minuten of sms'jes en 3500 MB 4G internet tijdens de Ben Prijsbewust Weken. Kijk op ben.nl.